Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Getting personal, Dave. Really? After all these years, you're going to get personal with me. Exactly. I thought today is the time to have that conversation. Or we can talk about what do you do to foster relationships from the beginning so people feel comfortable with you. I think that's probably a better thing to talk about. Well, that's a mouthful. Let's just get personal. Fair enough. Let's do so, that. Yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it a little bit, but getting personal, what's the challenge? Let's start there. What is the, the challenge? What is the problem people have with this? Well, as we covered before in transactional analysis, especially from a sales perspective, we've been told as children, don't talk to strangers and don't talk about money. So therefore, when we approach someone, even in a social situation, people might be reluctant to talk with us because we are a stranger, whether it's in person or on the phone. And inevitably, if it's sales, they think we're trying to sell them something. So they're being very guarded at the very least. And so because I think there's another, you're absolutely right. So people are are on guard in the sales situation. I think I shared before, but if I did or didn't, I'm going to share it again. When my wife and I were dating and she needed a new truck or wanted a new truck, and we went truck shopping. It was my job to talk to the salespeople so she could shop. And mm-hmm. this way she could avoid getting personal with people. Right. But I think there's another challenge here too. It's not just and maybe this is part of TA and you can you can you know fill us in with this, but you know, we tend to compartmentalize our lives. And I know mm-hmm. I'm this way. And so you know, I've got business and I got my Friends and even within your friends, right? You have your family who are hopefully friends, although there are family members who are not friends. And then we have our, I my hockey friends, the hot people I play hockey with, and they're hockey friends. And then I might have friends um, from my riding motorcycles or whatever. You know, I, my old friends that I've known for many many years that, you know, for other things. And so we we tend to compartmentalize our lives. And in business, what that typically means, and again, sales or leadership, it doesn't really matter, is that we tend to at least initially go in and go, all right, keep people at arm's length because this is a business relationship. And as people who are looking to influence others, who are looking to persuade others, we know if it's an arm's length relationship, there's a measure of distrust there. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So what do we do so we can share with our listeners on how to break that distrust barrier? Great question. I think the first answer, and probably our audience is screaming at the, or whatever, however they're consuming us, probably at their phones nowadays, you know, but we've heard this often enough is, Use somebody's name, Darren. That's the first thing. 
Right? Mm-hmm. I think it was Dale Carnegie. Yes, it was Dale mm-hmm. Carnegie who, who said, the sweetest sound to everybody's ears, the sound of their own name. And I'm That's paraphrasing, right. folks, so if, if I got the quote exactly wrong, forgive me. But in fact, a technique I heard years ago when somebody's going on and on and on, like I'm doing right now, and somebody wants to interrupt is just say their name because it will break through the clutter in their head. Absolutely. I had a colleague and friend that I said, are you ready for your presentation? And she said, well, it's a, it's a networking group. All I'm going to do is address them all by their name and they will absolutely love it. And they absolutely love the presentation simply because she addressed them by their name. Now, obviously there's more to that, but I think someone's name is sweet music to their ears. And I'll tell you, I cannot tell you how many times I've been called Daryl throughout the course of a day. Actually, I was on a networking group this morning. Someone I've known for four years said, well, I want to build upon what Daryl had to say. And I said, well, isn't that his brother and his other brother? If you get the reference, which I know you do, Dave. Yes, Larry, I do. Um, Well, yeah, interesting. I worked uh, for years ago, one of my uh, first skippers in the Navy, uh, his name was Charles Heatley. He went by Heater. That was his call sign. So to us, he was just Heater. Um, but he always knew when somebody picked up the phone, when he answered the phone and somebody said, hey, is this Chuck available? It was a sales call because he never went by Chuck. Right. My wife, whose name is Kathleen, never Kathy, never Katie, never Kate, no derivative of that. Strictly Kathleen will get incensed if you address her any other way. And she won't hear you, by the way, either. Absolutely. Well, that's funny. You know, I did sales training for a number of years. And one time I made the mistake of saying how important it is to know someone's name. And I got a cold call one day. And um, this gentleman said, can I speak with Duran Keckle, please? And I remember sharing that in a training. And I still have people probably 14 years later calling me Keck. I don't get Duran Keckle anymore. It just been, it's been shortened to Keck instead of Darren Cecil. So I can totally appreciate what you're saying. And it's a joke because if you get a cold call and someone says Duran Keckle, there's a good chance that I don't know who that person is. Yeah. Keck, I couldn't disagree with you at all. Exactly. So the challenge of course is that, you know, and we all suffer from this is we get introduced to people and we don't remember their name. And probably the most common problem, and this is not a sales, it's not a leadership, this is just a human problem. But if we want to lead people and they don't believe we even know who they are, we've got a tough road to hoe. Absolutely. So what advice do you have for helping people remember names? Well, you and I are both auditory, so we may be at more of an advantage than some people, but only 20% of the population are auditory, so it works for all. One thing I like to do is I like to say the very first thing, Dave, it's nice to meet you. Then the next sentence, I'm going to use your name at the very end of that sentence. And then a couple other times, I'm going to sprinkle your name throughout, and that gives me the opportunity to remember who you are from an auditory perspective. No, that's great advice. It's probably the first piece of advice I ever received when I got into sales. Oh, 
longer ago than I care to think about now, uh, easily three decades ago, if not more. I was in college, so I'd have to do the math, and I don't feel like taking my shoes off. But the problem I always had with that, Darren, is that when you say you use somebody's name five times in a sentence, Darren, that it really sounds forced, doesn't it, Darren? And this feels stupid to me, Darren. So this is what I would think when somebody said, Darren, use their name five times in a sentence you'll never forget. I don't – if I could be wrong, I think I said five – three or four times throughout the conversation. So the very first word I'm saying is, Dave, it's a pleasure to meet you. And then the next sentence, I'm gonna use your your name at the very end of that sentence. And then a couple other times throughout the conversation, I'm just gonna sprinkle your name in so it's natural. So it's not, Dave, I truly understand your perspective, Dave, one thing to consider is, comma, Dave, comma. No, I totally get it. What that does for me, it triggers an easy way for me to remember that person. So I may say it three times total, but the very first sentence, first word, the next sentence, last word. So the challenge for me, and and that's a great technique. And if you can pull that off like you can, Keck, all the. <laughs> I can sometimes, Don. So, which I've gotten before. I'm Actually, sure yeah, fun, funny story along this. Um, what nobody knows about me, and you may not even be aware, but I, I've got ink. Now, I am of an age where getting ink was not a rite of passage into adulthood like it is today. Um, it, it occurred at a time in my life when I was um, struggling with a lot of different things, and I was working a construction job, and a bunch of us got drunk, ate the worm, and you know, we've been talking about getting tattoos. We got our first tattoo, and I wanted a tattoo of a panther head on my shoulder my girlfriend wanted it on my bicep that area between your bicep and tricep so of course you know who won that argument it's my body of course but i wanted her to have it so not your choice right not my choice so i ended up with this panther head uh, on my left arm and under it i just put dave in, in cursive yeah you got a picture is when we found when we got to the tattoo parlor it was 10 minutes before closing on a Friday night. We're drunk off our mind. Uh oh. It's three of us who want these tattoos. My two buddies are getting lightning bolts with their name through the lightning bolt, but I get the Panther head. And we, we literally had to like wave cash under the guy's nose to force him to sit us down. He was in a rush. So I get this tattoo and I forget about he butchered or some scarring and other things in the panther head and then Dave and the cursive the V is sort of a little lopsided a little lazy fast forward probably a year year and a half I'm not with that girl anymore um, so sitting at a Bennigan's on a Friday or Saturday night I don't remember it exactly you know, but on a weekend night having a beer by myself now this is the 80s and, and I should be embarrassed to tell you this next part of the story, but I won't be. So I'm wearing one of those 80s uh, mesh T-shirts with this sle- little short <laughs> sleeves, right? Because this was the style. Of course. Right? And a very attractive woman sits down next to me. She takes a look at me and she goes, hi, Don. He said, my name's Dave. She says, well, why does it say Don on your arm? Now, of course, in the 80s, any inference that you might not be straight was met with huge amount of embarrassment, especially in a 21 or 22 year old uh, at the time. And so instead of 
picking up on the cue, I slunked out with my tail between my legs, but, you know, all because I was called the wrong name. Mm. So for all I know, she was like, you know, miss right. And I missed out, but I didn't miss out because I'm actually happily married now. But who knows? But the point of the story is names are very important for me. I've always had a challenge using your technique. Okay. Because I'm either thinking of the conversation, you know, right. in other words, I mean, what's the next thing I want to say? Right. And I forget to add the name or it sounds forced. So I came up with a different technique that has never, sure? never failed me. I use this to this day. And for me, this is absolutely the best way. I have a conversation about your name. Like it. So there are, right, people typically, right, most people have, you know, a given name and then some sort of diminutive. Some people go by the diminutive. Some people go by their full name. As I mentioned, my wife is never Kate, Kathy, right, any of the derivatives of Kathleen. It is strictly Kathleen. So if I'm introduced to somebody, it would go something like, let's let, let's role play for a second, Darren. Sure. Um, we don't know each other. You know, hey, I'm Dave. You are? Uh, Darren, nice to meet you, Dave. Nice to meet you. So, Darren, uh, is that with two R's or one? Two R's. Two R's. Okay. Now, do you go by Darren or do you have some sort of nickname? For most people, I go with Darren. And for the rest? I've been called different things growing up playing sports and such. So different names. Nothing you care to share. Everything from DC to lefty to whatever, big D, I mean, whatever. But, but, you, but you like Darren. I do. My mom uh, named me that. It means great in Gaelic. Great. Uh, who knew? Besides your mom. Right. Right. So look at what just happened there. Do you think now pictures of networking uh, event, we've all been to them. And so now we, you know, the C's part, we move on, we talk to other people and 45 minutes, an hour, 90 minutes later, I run into you again. What's the likelihood that I'm after that conversation, that at the very least, I'm going to go DC, the great man, right? Darren, isn't beautiful. And so that has worked for me. So there's, there's three circumstances. I I used uh, one with you because you know, Darren, I couldn't think of any diminutive or nickname, but it's it's a name that gets spelled different ways. So Darren, Brian, um, Mark, right? All, all, all the names that have multiple spellings, you mm-hmm. could ask about how it's spelled. I love it. I do that subconsciously, and I didn't even know why. So thank you for bringing that back up. Let's see, what's the origin of your name? Because people typically have a story. Well, actually, my dad didn't want to name me Darren. My mom did. My brother should have been that name, but my mom named me instead. I mean, there's like everyone has a story. I love it. So it's funny you mentioned it. I was doing my um, sales calls today, right? Because you know I'm, I still sell my own services. I'm trying to get out there and and, and drum up speaking um, gigs where people are looking to transform their leadership skills. And I talked to a woman, and her name is. Collier. Now, I've never heard that name before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think of Collier like a, a, a ship that, that actually uh, carries, well, coal traditionally, but it refers to any sort of um, a supply ship, right? 
But I had, a, I'm like, well, that's an interesting name. I had a whole conversation about her name. I know now it's a family name, right? And so the next time I talk to her, I may or may not bring that up. But even if I just mention, oh, yeah, call your old family name. Good to talk to you again. She'll know I remember her. That's right. And that, folks, is the importance here, is people feel special when you remember them. Absolutely. Here's the pitfall. So I'm working on a project with some fellow consultants, and there's a holiday celebration and happen to run into a potential client. My colleague, one of the consultants that's working on the project, walked up to the person and said, I don't believe we've met. Ooh. And then the gentleman said, we actually had a meeting last month for an hour and a half, and you kept calling me Joe. And my name is Fred. So the, needless to say, that consultant is not involved in this project. Because that person said, I do not want this person on the project or we will not be doing this project with you. And, and folks, at least you think that that's a little harsh. If somebody isn't paying enough attention to you to remember your name, what other details are going to slip through the cracks? Exactly. Exactly. Now, one thing I said to him as a teachable moment, I said, there's two things. One, never, ever, 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 ever say it's nice to meet you. Always say it's nice to see you. Because you can see someone for the first time, for the 50th time, for the 100th time. It's still nice to see them. And then you might get some clues into previous conversations. That's one I said. He's like, that's brilliant. Where were you before? I'm like, well, Apologize for that. I can't be there if I didn't know, right? And then the second one was, he said, what do you do if you're in a meeting and someone calls you by the wrong name? Because this gentleman could have easily have said at the very beginning of that meeting, just want to let you know my name is Fred, not Joe. So he said, what do you do? I said, I tell a story where I identify myself by my name. So if you call me Daryl, instead of saying my name is Darren, because that can be offensive, right? I will tell a story. I'm like, yeah, I was talking to him. I was talking to my my brother, Dave, and he said, you know, Darren, so what have you been doing lately? And it's clear now that my name is Darren without making that person feel not okay, which we talked about in a previous podcast. So two things. One, if it happens to me, I'm going to tell a story where I identify what my name truly is so no one feels bad. And then two is instead of saying nice to meet you, I always say nice to see you. I know you don't have those challenges, but some listeners might. Actually, I, I love nice to see you. I've learned many things over the years from you. Um, uh, did I catch you at a bad time is the one that probably sticks with me mm -hmm. the most. I mean, it literally is is the way when somebody answers the phone, um, I, I will say, I, you know, and so folks, what we're referring to, and this is kind of off topic, but it's, it's, it's called pattern interrupt. Never ask somebody when I'm on the phone, I'm calling, and, and the answer is, hi, this is, you know, John. I never say, hey, John, this is uh, Dave with Locked On Leadership. Did I catch you at a good time? What, what Darren taught me a decade ago, longer actually, um, was, right, when's there a good time? There's never a good time. 
Instead, I always ask that I catch you at a bad time. And if you do that, you'll hear them. Actually, you'll hear them stammer for a second. They'll go, oh, oh, because they're so preconditioned to say, yes, this is a bad time. This is not or, or no, this is not a good time. And they'll go and then, and then you'll hear them think, yes, you can actually hear the gears turning. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, it is a bad time. I'm getting ready for me. It is right. Great. No worries. So just a, a little little off topic uh, tidbit. You kept saying good to see you. So good to see you is now going to be added. Said nice to meet you. Um, but that actually clues me in. So we've talked about two ways auditory such as ourselves. Yes. Remember names. And yes, just if you're visual doesn't mean you don't have some auditory capacity. But uh, do you have any tips for visuals who might be easier for them to picture a name than it is to um, remember, uh, you know, with a voice in their head? Well, I think that's what a lot of people do since 55 percent of the population are visual. Right. I think a lot of times people try to picture someone in their mind and they can do that easily. Or sometimes they may point out something visually that's easy to remember. So, for example, for me, people see me. There's not only am I incredibly handsome, according to some, maybe me, I might have a a different characteristic than most people do. It's easy to remember me that way. So sometimes people will take a visual representation and go, oh, I can remember that person's name. Sometimes other people do word associations with names as well. Those are a couple of things. Yeah, and word associations are great. I've, I've heard um, uh, people talk about uh, doing some sort of visual mnemonic exercise, maybe a picture, you know, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm obviously uh, follically challenged, although I prefer to be, it's, it's actually better that way, a much better cooling capability than most people. Um, my head doesn't overheat with all the thinking I do. So that's, <laughs> right but so i don't know what kind of visualization you could do because i'm not a visual but somehow equate dave with you know a bald head maybe maybe you picture the a without hair on it or something like that and so so come up with some visual way what i recommend you do folks is come up with a method that works for you like i did right so once i hit upon the the, the conversation about the name which really hits on a couple different levels because not only do I remember the name, it shows an interest in the person. That's right. And it shows an interest in, in their preference. And by the way, this came about in part because of my wife when we were dating and she, you know, the only one who called her Kate was her father. Um, and he passed away when she was 17. So nobody calls her Kate. And she, she told me that. And then when we were dating and I would notice you know, she'd be introduced to people and they would not say Kathleen. It occurred to me, this is important to people. You know? And so I started asking people, how do you prefer to be addressed? And that's another really good tip. Just ask people how they prefer to be addressed. Right. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I think that's helpful. So now you get the name thing. We're talking about getting personal. What's any other suggestions or tips beyond the name thing that you might be able to share? Yeah, so that's always tricky, especially in a business situation, right? Imagine for a second, um, you and I met, and you know, we did meet for the first time, obviously, um, 2008. And I, I don't, I'm not going to confess that I, I, or I remember that interaction, but 
but let's just pretend we're meeting for the first time. It, it's kind of invasive to say, oh, yeah, Darren, great to meet you. So, so tell me, Darren, married, kids, how old are they? What's your mm-hmm. birthday? Um, what's your favorite sport? What was the big, right, biggest challenge you had growing up in life? You know, what do you like to do? No, people, that's, it's invasive. Yep. So what I do is I start with what is safe, but still personal. If you're meeting in a business setting, whether it's a networking event, whether it's a business meeting, irrespective, if it's through business, start with business. Mm -hmm. So what are the sort of things you could ask somebody business related that's still personal? Uh, Tell me what you do. How long you been doing it? A lot of people ask, what is what is it you like about what you do? Who's an ideal client? Those are all great questions. The ideal client one, frankly, I say that. I agree. That that's a great transition to a business conversation. I agree. And if you pull that card out too soon, I agree. Yeah. But how long have you been with the company? Mm-hmm. And and I think I've shared this before. When I was learning to fly low level navigation means you don't have instrumentation. You have a stopwatch and you have pre-mapped out waypoints along the ground that you need to visually see. The idea is we would fly four or 500 miles and have, you know, so it's an hour to an hour and a half flight, depending on the speed we're flying. We'd have to get to our final point plus or minus 10 seconds Mm. of a specified time. Stopwatch, map, DR, dead reckoning, navigation. That, that's how we had to learn to do it. Of course, once you're in, out in the fleet, you have all the computers to do this for you, but you had to learn to do it for yourself. Right. And there's a lot of math involved. And if you made it, we couldn't write things down either. We didn't have calculators. All had to be done in our heads. And I had an instructor, the executive officer of the training squadron, uh, just before my check flight, the flight, the pass-fail flight, where either you pass this section, you move on, or you fail it and you go back for remedial training, brief me and he asked, what are you struggling with? I said, well, I'm really good with math, but, you know, at the time, I think we were 360 knots, close to 400 miles an hour. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, and sometimes, you know, math doesn't come as easy to me as it does sitting here. He said, well, why not do it here? So what do you mean? He said, pre-plan your corrections now for every five knots of wind or five miles or one mile off you know, on course. And then you're taking a lot of the math away and you could just worry about the, the last calculation. And it was brilliant. And I use that same principle. So what, what are the questions? Think of those ahead of time. How long have you? Go ahead. So I'm going to, I do the opposite. So it's really nice that we get the, we get the balance here. I always go to the personal first. So I always go to the help first that we talked about in a previous podcast. So if someone is in the, in the room, I might say, Hey, I don't suppose you can give me a tip. And I go right, you know, and I go, you don't, can't recommend a good place for lunch or, you know, you live in this area. Don't suppose you can recommend a good place for lunch then, can you? I learned so much about that. I remember speaking at a networking event for the first time and I said, hey, I don't know if anybody has this challenge. My daughter is about to be a teenager 
and I hear she goes away to boarding school or I go away to boarding school, but someone's got to go. So if anyone has any tips, could you please suggest some to me? And that has led to that led to a lot of business just by simply doing that, that people came up to me. So I go the opposite first. So I love the ba- We have a great balance here, right? I go to the personal first and then that that opens the door. And that might be just my comfort level versus their comfort level. That's what I do. Well, the brilliance of that strategy uh, is, is, and it's typical with you, it's multi-dimensional, right? So first, you're being vulnerable. Absolutely. And and when we're vulnerable, we give other people permission to be vulnerable too. Yep. And people will empathize with your vulnerability, which creates a connection. But the the, the true brilliance at the next level that goes to, you're, you're vulnerable, that creates the condition, allows them to be vulnerable. You say, I'm having trouble with, in this case, your daughter. Now, if I respond to you, Chances are I have a daughter too. Chances are that daughter's about the same age or older and I've been through it already. But it gives you permission to then ask me, oh, tell me about your daughter. All of a sudden we're off we are in personal. I love it. Whereas mine, I'm probably coming from a different angle. I'm saying, how long you been in business or or with the company, short time, long time, what you do before, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then you can work into there, you know, how'd your family like that change, you know? Yep. And then, of course, once, oh, well, you know, they were great with it. They loved it. My my son, my daughter. Oh, now we've chipped away. That's right. We've got that. That's right. It's more, you know, the nice thing is we're giving our listeners a couple of choices. Right. Because it's it's not, there's no, there's no one right way. That's right. And frankly, Especially again in a networking event where you're doing this a lot, it's all, it's it's nice to have a few different tools in your tool belt. Uh, especially if they're spending with two or three different people, you go. So what's your name? Oh, do you have a nickname? Uh, well, and do you have a nickname? And how's that spelled? Right, three, four times in a row. Uh, you know. But uh, you know, this way, how long you been there? Can you help me out with this? I love it. Well, it sure beats my what I used to do. When someone says, you know, tell me something unique about yourself. Well, I got a client when I was in prison. Now, when women tend to hold their purse a little bit tighter when I bring that up. Now, I was there speaking in prison, but that's certainly a unique opener. That's That would be an incredible pattern interrupt. It, it's a great pattern interrupt. But, folks, here's the cautionary tale, I think, that's inherent in what Darren just said. Mm-hmm. And we're probably going to need to get into this more in another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But that comment... Is all about Darren. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't found out about you, you don't give a rat's tail about me. That's right. I, I think it was Dr. Ivan Meisner who said, and he may have quoted somebody else, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to, Darren, one of Darren's other lines he hasn't broken out today is when people ask him about him, is he typically says something like, "Oh, I'm nowhere near as interesting as what you do," or something like that. How, how's that work? How do you how do you flip that around? So if you go to a networking event, see, like you, we do multiple things, and so if I say I work with business owners, you're thinking to yourself, "I'm not a business owner." I say I work with sales managers. You're not a sales manager. I work with attorneys, and not an attorney. By the time I get to what you do, I've lost a lot of credibility. 
And we already know people like to talk about themselves more than anything. So if you say to me, what do you do for a living, Darren? I'm like, you know what, Dave? I come to a lot of these. I find what I do is nothing as exciting as what other people do. So I'm kind of curious, what do you do? And in which case, I am not kidding you. This gentleman says, I own a beef jerky business. And this guy talked for the longest time about the jerky. It was family recipe. It was this. It was that. And he was passionate about it. I learned so much about that person. And then from a sales perspective, I say when people are done, that must be really easy for you to sell. Wow. And they go, well, no, that's the biggest problem I have. And now we're off and running. And I haven't said one thing about me. But if I say I'm a sales consultant, they're like, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Been there, done that, right? But if I just listen, and we'll talk about active listening in a, you know another podcast, that'll change the entire conversation. So I guess to wrap things up, folks, this is it. Get personal. Mm -hmm. Get personal by being vulnerable. And however you need to come at it, whether from business first or asking for help mm -hmm. before any and every meeting. And I want to repeat that because that's really important. Not just any meeting, every meeting, no matter how well you know somebody. Take a few minutes, yep. get personal, whether it's reinforcing what you know or learning something new. That's right. Absolutely. About just one last thing. People have two radio stations on in their head at all times. One is WIFM, what's in it for me? And the second one is M-M-F-I-A-M. Make me feel important I am. If people remember those things when they're having conversations, it's really easy to figure out how to get personal. I just thought I'd share that with you. As always, Darren, brilliant. Thank so, you, sir. You think that's, uh, that's a wrap? Uh, folks, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us. Uh, all our information is in the show notes. Mm -hmm. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have you. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Darren. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.